You're listening to the Digital Chatter Podcast, where incredible entrepreneurs share their story. Please welcome your host, Eric Sharp. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Digital Chatter. I'm your host, Eric Sharp, and today I am with the effervescent Tara Wilder, who is the founder and online marketing strategist of Envivo. Welcome, Tara. Thank you so much for having me, my friend, Eric. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, so, so if you couldn't tell, Tara and I uh, are, are friends, actually. We've done some work together, and I figured it was about darn time I had her on my show. Yeah, so, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, it's about darn time. So, so Tara, I, you know, I want to start everyone off, as usual, with tell us how did you get into business, into owning your own business? Um, I was naive is, <laughs> is the short answer. So, um, let's see, where shall I start? So I, uh, when I went to college, I went to college to get a degree in psychology and my intention was to become a graphic or not a graphic designer, um, to go on to get my PhD in psycho in clinical psychology, become oh, wow. a psychologist. Halfway through, I decided, you know, I don't feel like talking to people all day because <laughs> that's basically what it is. And it was actually a lot more than just that. But I realized that psychology was just not the, uh, the industry that I wanted to go into. So I decided to just finish that up, finish up that degree, get married to my high school sweetheart. And I tried to find uh, jobs both in psychology and in web design. And uh, because web design, I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. Really, really like it. So. Um, but I couldn't find jobs in either area. And I was neither under nor overqualified for any of these positions. I had the hardest time finding a job in one of those fields. So I applied to one retail position. I thought it was a sales position. I got hired. Turns out I was a cashier. So I oh, run around no. saying, I was a cashier with a bachelor's degree and I'm still bitter about it to this day. Um, so I decided to take life into my own hands. I, so I, I took the job because we were broke newlyweds and needed money, right? Yeah, you got to get the money in the door, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't prideful about it, um, but I tried to move up in the company. Didn't work out very well. So I decided to start a freelance web design company. Um, and so I just put up a website, tarawilder.com. I got some business here and there. And then a local IT company reached out to me. And basically, after we talked a little bit, they offered me what was my dream job at the time. So they were expanding their creative services department and wanted to have somebody who would head up that effort, basically, like develop the services, get the leads, close the leads, can, uh, perform the services, and then eventually hire people. And um, before that, I started getting experience in online marketing as well. And it was like a dream for me. And my dream job almost literally landed in my lap because how they found me was they typed in web designer Daytona beach and they found my website. They reached out to me. We had a conversation and they offered me the job all wow. because of the power of the web. Wow. That's awesome. That's a great story. I love it. I love it so much. And it actually has three lessons in it. If I may just share real yeah, quick. Please. First of all, I had a web presence that even got found on Google. I should have looked it up, but it's something like a million or two million results or something when you type in web designer Daytona Beach. Um, so first of all, I showed up. Secondly, they liked what was on my website. And so they reached out to me. And when we interacted, the, uh, what I showed them was accurately 
I was in alignment with what was on my website. So my website accurately represented who I was and they kept me on until I left the company because I continued to be in alignment with what, who they thought I was online. So that just says a lot about how it's important to have a really powerful online presence that gets found and is um, authentic to who you are and who your brand is. That's a, that's a perfect lesson. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, I can tell you, I've been, I've been battling myself with my own online presence. I mean, my own name, you know, back, back when the web just started out, uh, there was a professor named Eric Sharp who had published a bunch of books and resources and he was crushing it. He was totally beating me. You know, I, I think I was still in high school, so I barely had a chance. And, you know, little by little, you know, after the years went by, I started to, you know, I'd do interviews and get quoted and, and, and articles and, you know, quotes and entrepreneur.com and things like that. And, you know, now finally my presence is built up, right? And it's a good feeling to, to know that nice. you can be found easily. So what are your, tell me, what are some methods you use to like find out what your reputation's like online? Oh, I, I mean, basic, just Google your name, basically. I would uh, Google your name, see what comes up. Uh, sometimes it'll also autocomplete too. And I'll say Tara Wilder, whatever, you know, you may see like review. Tara Wilder in horrific accident goes to jail. Yeah. Things like that. Obituary. Oh. Obituaries. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really like bootstrapping it when I look for, or when I do online reputation research is just Googling your name, looking it up on um, also Facebook search as well, LinkedIn search, just type in your name and your company as well and see what results come up. Yeah. And then and in the way that actually Google will, will change some of this stuff, not to go too far off topic, is you know, if, you, if you are in Daytona Beach and you search for web designers, Google's going to first show you naturally local web designers in Daytona Beach. And then little by little, they start to kind of spread out and find web designers around Daytona Beach area, maybe more Florida-based web designers with stronger web presence. And then after that, you're probably going to get some national you know, web design companies that kind of go into the mix because their, their SEO is that strong. Um, now, if you do type in the word Daytona Beach web designer, then you're telling Google specifically, I want a web designer in Daytona Beach or the area. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah have you ever, have you ever tried playing around with, uh, with using like quotes in Google or adding the plus or minus symbol, you know, like these Boolean searches, you ever done any yes, of that? Yes. I'm a power user of Google like that. And in Gmail too, I also use it a lot. So the quotations to get the exact phrase, um, I use the not basically the, the dash to say, I don't want this word or this phrase, um, site colon. And then the name of the site to only show results from that site. That's a good well. one. Let's talk about that one. If you don't mind, you know, yeah, if you I want the, you know, when, when, I, I've used that before. Cause someone said there was like a misspelling or something on my website. And I was like, well, where? And they never responded back, you know? So I went to go look for it. And so tell us, how do you do that? If you only wanted to search Google on a specific website, how do you do that? It's super easy. You type in the word site S I T E colon and then the url of the site i typically leave off the www so i just jump right into nvivoweb.com or digitalnv.co and then it'll only show you results from that site and if you want the other way around you can put a net, a dash at the beginning to say show me results that do not include this website so um i use that when i'm like looking for reviews for something and i'm finding a bunch of biased reviews because 
you know, that company is really good at their SEO and they only want their reviews to show up, right? No, I want to see what other people are saying about your product. So I exclude their um, website from the results. That's a good point. Yeah. Like if you're looking up a product that's sold at Macy's or something like that. And, you know, the problem is Macy's has reviews on certain things, you know, but you don't want Macy's.com to show up in the results. You could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then also another thing too is, um, and I can't, I can't think of an example, but if I'm looking for a variety of results, but there's just a website that's really dominating the search and I'm like, what, who, who else has something to say about this? Then I also exclude it too. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a great point. I believe those are called search operators, right? Yes. Yes. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. If you guys want to know more about these, just type in Google search operators. Yeah. You'll find a ton. So how did you, how did you learn about this stuff? I mean, what kind of got you interested or, or passionate about, you know, really getting into web stuff? I mean, why is it such a big deal to you? I think, um, initially when I was 12 years old and I built my first website, it's cause my cousin did it and he was super cool. So I wanted to be like him. And then, um, of course I was just interested in it as the years went by when I was the cashier, I also happened to get an internship at a local online marketing company. So that's where I really developed my, um, my initial passion for it. Then I got this job at this IT company and I was really like amazed at how I was so desperate for a job in my relevant field. And then suddenly the dream job landed into my lap because I had an online presence. And then in that job, I'm forever grateful to them. They allowed me to learn so much on the job. So that's really where I learned a lot of my online marketing. I eventually left and decided to start my own business. And that's where the naivety comes in because I was 24. We didn't have much saved up. And I was like, Marie, I want to start my own business. And my husband's like, okay. And we didn't really understand the ramifications of going from two incomes to one. So, but it's fine. We lasted this year. It's uh, this summer. It's going to be four years that I've been in business. So it ended up okay. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it was just learning on the job. And, um, even now I like to say that I get, I got my degree in marketing from the university of Google because you can learn anything online. You could learn anything and it's incredible. So I'd say that's, you're a great testament. You're a great testament to all of that, Dara. It's, it's, you know, you, you didn't go to, you know, college and study for four years on how to become a web designer and how to be super techie. You literally taught it to yourself because you were passionate about it to stick with it. And, and ultimately you solve a lot of problems for people. Yeah. And I have a lot of fun doing it too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, uh, I mean like there's so many resources out there. There's YouTube, there are specific sites for the things that you want to learn. There's like Udemy, uh, Khan Academy, Skillshare. You can learn anything you want to. It's an, it's incredible. So yeah, I could I could go on a tangent about that all day. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. There's been a ton of resources as of recent. I mean, you know, YouTube was one of the original resources for how to do it yourself stuff. But eventually people started getting frustrated by having to literally go through a bunch of like crappy videos on YouTube that people made that didn't get exactly what they needed or, or were looking for in terms of the right educational piece or pieces. So, so I think, you know, enter Khan Academy, Teachable, Thinkific, Udemy, you know, all these tr- online training companies 
that, you know, and, and you and I are actually working on a project uh, on this right now for a client is, you know, setting up a, a training library, a training resource where people can pay money and learn something. Um, it's kind of like, you know, screw going into thousands and thousands of dollars of debt in college when you can, you know, pay a couple thousand dollars and get an, a robust education on your own time, even while you work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you you think about that? There's something to be said about getting a college degree. Sometimes just having that qualification of I have a bachelor's degree will open a lot of doors for you, unfortunately. Like the college college degrees or the four-year degree is now the new high school diploma. So there's something to be said about that. However, you can create opportunities for yourself. You can start your own business or you can get education from these websites, right? And then create a product or something that speaks to your credibility and your authority. So employers or potential clients or whatever, they're like, oh, she doesn't have a bachelor's degree, but it doesn't matter because look at this amazing thing she created. That's relevant, obviously. True. And especially in the creative world, though, you you have a portfolio to show, which is really nice. I I think that's a a big differentiator for artists is you can come out of high school with a great portfolio and immediately get a job. You know, you don't need that degree, that formal training in college, you know, the secondary training per se, if you have that good portfolio, portfolio. You know, if you're, if you're something kind of, if you're an engineer or if you do more techie stuff, you have to be able to show off what you do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's difficult as a computer engineer because, you know, you say, well, I worked on this area of code for this project. I didn't do the whole thing, but I did this one area and, you know, I'm a good problem solver, right? It's, a, it's hard to visually show that to someone, especially in an interview or, you know, when you're trying to get a consulting gig. Yeah. Well, that's where testimonials and case studies would come in, I feel like. Yeah. So tell me more. I mean, mean, do you feel like that's necessary to run a business? Do you need testimonials and and case studies? I don't like making sweeping statements by saying everybody needs this or needs that. I think it's a highly wasted opportunity if you don't have testimonials because we all want social proof. We want to make it... when people want to work with you, it's, there's a risk involved, you know, like they're going off of your word of saying, yes, I will deliver this product or service to you. So when you have a testimonial or a case study of somebody else saying, hey, yeah, I did work with Eric and he was awesome and these are the results I got, people will be more likely and more comfortable, actually, more comfortable with trusting you with their money, time, sure. information, all that. So. I think that's why corporate, that's why the corporate world works so well is because they have systemized the results, right? So the results in most cases in the corporate world may not be as good as an individual consultant or as a smaller team, but there's a greater risk going with the team because there's not as many proven repeatable results, right? Um, I think so. I think so. I mean, you can systematize like that in your own business as well, even if you're not a large corporate business. You just have to be really intentional about it. I see a lot of entrepreneurs who just go about and have their services and I mean, um, perform their services, they do their sales, whatever, but they're not grabbing that really crucial piece, which is the testimonial from their client. What was your experience with me like? You know, so I think you can do it. It just, it needs to be really intentional. I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, and I'll use 
burgers as an example. I mean, when you get a Burger King, you expect the same burger all the time. Uh-huh. It's a meatless burger at this point, right? Uh, but it's been system- not a vegetarian way. I know it's been systemized. You know, you're going to get more or less the same exact style burger every time with lettuce, pickles, mayo, whatever. You go to Uncle Bob's Burgers or a local burger joint. You know, the burger is not going to look the same every time and you're going to get something with a little bit more character, slightly different. And some people like that uh, and other people don't. Other people want that systemized. They want to buy that Whopper every time they like those expected results. So I agree with you. Yes, small businesses can totally do that. And we should for some of our things. Um, you know, we should totally systemize and have, you know, standard operating procedures. That's very important. Even if your standard operating procedure for something is just like a list of 10 things drawn out, you know, it doesn't have to be some like 20 page document. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually really saved me this year or this past year. I went through like a really big growth spurt in my business Mm -hmm. and I have no idea how I would have survived it if I didn't have standard operating procedures. And it's something as, it could be as simple as like what you do when you get a new client. Well, I have to create a label for them in Gmail. I have to create a folder for them, like just a list of things. So you don't have to like remember go through the mental effort to try to remember what are all the things I need to do. And then sometimes things fall through the cracks. It puts sure. more stress on you, more stress on them. It's just a mess. So oh, I love SOPs. I love yeah, them. And, and, and I mean, I have found one of the best ways to get those done is just to have someone interview you about, you know, Hey, Eric, Tara, when you get a new client, what's, what's the first step? You know, do you create a folder on your computer with a client's name? Do you, you know, send an invoice, like, how does it work? You know? And so tell me about your experience with that. When you kind of revamped your business, tell, first of all, tell me why you revamped your business. Oh, well, um, I was, so it was actually around this time last year. So it was spring of 2018. Um, when I was kind of just reevaluating or everything in my business, I wasn't, I didn't have that fire in me anymore. And I was wondering what is it that's kind of missing for me. And I realized that I really, really enjoy the implementation side of doing marketing and tech for people. I still love strategy, but I really, really liked the implementation side. And so I decided let's um, just add, kind of revamp our services. So we're offering those services as well, which we were before, but there was just a different emphasis on it. And then I realized that I need to have a new um, business model, essentially, because I need, I now need team and I need a system for that team to help me carry out all these services. I had a new vision for my business long term. So, and then with all of this, I realized my messaging had to change with my business too. And I'm like, hey, while we're doing all this, let's do a visual brand uh, revamp as well. So I just decided to do all of that. And then the biggest thing was um, I realized the name was now inaccurate. So um, it was about four months after I decided to start or after I started revamping my business when I relaunched with the new visual brand, new messaging, everything. And my business before was called Envivo Creative. And what it had turned into was something where creative wasn't really accurate anymore because we do provide creative services like web design, but we're not a creative agency. You know, we're an online marketing agency. And so the word creative just wasn't really applicable. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that right. And it's interesting you came up with that after the fact, right? So you go through the, you know, a butterfly goes through a transformation and then all of a sudden you, we, you call it something different. It goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly, you know, yeah. same thing, same thing for your business, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when I think about the beginning, I don't think creative was the best word either, but that's a really, actually, now that I think about it, it's a really good lesson in just get started, even if it's not totally right, you know? Like I survived with the wrong name for like three years. I made money. I'm still in business. Everything's fine. So I don't think you should wait until everything's absolutely perfect because it'll never be perfect. And you may not even realize it's not perfect until you get started. Sure. I mean, actions speak louder than words. You know, your company, your company name could be poopy diaper creative. And at least, at least people will be, uh, will be interested in what the heck you do. You know, dadpreneur. I love poopy diaper is what you came up with. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah. So tell me, Tara, tell me about a time, you know, speaking of poopy diapers, tell me about a time that was really shitty in your business. (laughs) That was just like, you know, a time where you just kind of messed stuff up and you kind of you know, you pulled yourself up, cleaned yourself off, dusted yourself off and kept moving. Okay. Okay. So this is what that moment was. Oh, it was a period in t- um, time, in time. Yeah. So I got back in alignment with my business and it's interesting what happens in the universe when you're in full alignment with what you're doing, the universe rewards you in a way, right? So I started getting a flood of leads and clients and it was awesome, right? Because I started um, making a lot of money and a lot of impact, but my business grew way too quickly. It grew too quickly. I didn't have the foundational pieces that I needed to sustain a business that big or that that size, basically. What, what were some of those pieces that you were missing? Team. Definitely. Um, when you hire somebody to help you with something, it takes a little while for you to onboard them and train them. It's not going to be immediate. And if you don't have those training materials or that procedure in place, then it takes time to set that all up, you know? Yeah. So and, and for, sorry. And for anyone who yeah. does the chicken and the egg with that, it's like, well, some people are like, well, I need the business first before I hire them because otherwise they don't have any money versus if you hire them after the fact, it sounds like we're going to listen to what, right. You know, you're going to tell us right now what happens if you hire them after the fact. Yeah. Now here's the thing with that. So it, it hurt a lot for me to hire people after the fact, but I think it's because I had a huge surge of business. So if you just have, if your business is like steadily growing and you hire somebody along the way where, yeah, you could have benefited from hiring them sooner then um, I think it'll be, fine. It's not ideal, but it's fine. But if you're in a surge, then you really need to hire people and you need to stick to it too. So what happened with me is I hired a couple of people to work with me, but obviously this work would be done faster if I just did it myself. So I never took the time to like actually spend time to set out those um, those training materials, that the uh, standard operating procedures, actually training them. I didn't set aside that time. Instead, I was like, oh, it'll be faster if I just do it, you know? Sure. So that led to a pretty painful lesson, um, which we'll get to in a second, but I just wanted to answer your question there. 
So, so basically you were sprint, you know, you're planning for a sprint, you finished the sprint and you were, you know, you're gassed, you're, you know, you're kind of beat up and tired when in reality, when you, when you own a business, it's a marathon. I mean, it's like you, yes. you might be done with mile eight and you're like, wow, great race. And it's like, no, no, it, you're, a, you're a third of the way done. You got to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. got to keep running. Um, and that's sometimes scary after you just push yourself for, months on end, hustling, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, going back to your comment about the chicken or the egg, I think um, if you're not at the level where you can't afford to hire somebody, now is the perfect time for you to start outlining your procedures, who you think should be the first person you hire, start creating that, that process for them and for training them. So that way, when you hire somebody, you're already um, a few steps ahead. And it won't take as long to onboard them. That's very smart. And I actually, I plan on having some process people on uh, some of the next chats that I do, some of the next digital chatters. So hopefully we'll get some of those people in. But um, do you know any any process people? Do you know any people you work with? Or do you do that more internally with your team? I do it internally. I have somebody that I can um, send over to you if she's still doing. I think she is. Um, But I do it internally. It's just a matter of like, so you said one way to write down your processes is have somebody interview you, which is a great idea. The way that I do it and recommend it to my clients, because now I'm telling everyone to create SOPs because it's so fun, is just every time you do a recurring task, write down or project or whatever, write down what all the steps were. My SOPs are constantly changing because I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that I do this every time I onboard a client. I don't know why that's my example right now, but um, so just some sort of template, like a Google Doc or something mm-hmm. somewhere, and you, know, you have your standard operating procedure, which might start out with three items, like literally just start it with three items and go, you know, here's what happens: send client invoice, collect money, uh start a new folder with client name. You know? yeah. That could be the three steps you start with. And then from that point, you move forward in the next three steps, three steps, three steps. Mm-hmm. And you can categorize them too. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It'll grow with you. Just start being conscious about it. Uh, what I would do is outline um, all the things that you could delegate to somebody that you do on a regular basis and then start just tracking the things that you do and um, making a list and then doing screen videos too of you doing the thing. So that way you don't have to train them. You just show them the video. Hey, this is how I cleaned up that transcript or uploaded that blog or whatever. What do you mean by that? Could you, you describe that in depth a little bit more? Yeah. So we're all, um, if you have a computer, you're capable of um, basically recording what you're doing on your screen. So I have a Mac and I use QuickTime and basically after a few clicks of a button, it's recording my screen and it can record you through your microphone as well. So start the recording and then go through and do the thing that you want to create a training about and explain what you're doing while you're doing it. Does that make sense? And then end the recording and then you have a training. It may not be the cleanest thing in the world, but if they understand what it is that you're trying to do, then you just saved yourself a lot of time by not needing to do it live, not needing to do it every single time somebody new comes on board. Sure. Yeah. For example, if I had to tell a client how to update a plugin on their landing page or something, it's like, I can just show them what I'm doing. It's like, Hey, I'll do it for you this time, but here's what I did so that you know how to do it in the future. Yeah. And the beauty of that too is they have the recording to go back to if they don't remember how to do it. 
Yeah, that's that's very smart. Great, great advice. Great advice. I learned that the hard way, but it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We're here. We're alive. We learned a lot of good lessons. So Tara, tell me, you know, what advice would you give yourself five, ten years ago? You know, kind of before you started out. What what would you tell yourself now, knowing all that you know now? Don't be so heartbroken. I was so, so heartbroken that things weren't going the way that I needed it to or thought I needed it to because life is so, so unpredictable and you really have no idea what's about to come your way. Like I have no, now I'm telling you this, not old or young Tara this, but I I have no connection to the Greek culture, Greek world religion, nothing. But there was a point in my life where I became an organist for a Greek Orthodox church because they were looking for an organist and I'm an organ player. And I did. And that's like my favorite example of you have no idea where your life is going to lead you to. So I would just say, don't be so heartbroken because it'll always work out and it may not work out in the way that you think it will, but it still did work out. Okay. That's, that's great advice. That's yeah. perfect. So, so Tara, uh, you know, how can people interact with you? How can they play with you? Uh, where can they find your stuff? I love connecting with people. So please come play with me. My um, website is envivoweb.com. That's E-N-V-I-V-O web.com. And I'm sure Eric will have the link somewhere. And then um, I'm on Instagram as well. My username is I am Tara Wilder pretty easy to remember. And then um, you can find me on Facebook under my name too. And uh, I love connecting with people. So please come, come join me, add me, let me know that you found me through digital chatter and um, we'll have a conversation. I'd love to learn more about what it is that you do and how you serve the world as well. Awesome. Thank you. And, and you have a freebie for anyone out there. Can they snag something from you? Uh, just yeah, totally. If, Um, So like Eric said, I'm an online marketing strategist. What I love talking about and teaching about is um, how to create captivating content, basically content that engages your ideal client, um, because that's how we build relationships is through connection and engagement. So I have the captivating content toolkit, which will teach you exactly how to create social media content, email content that compels people to take action, whether that's liking, commenting, clicking, sharing, whatever, some sort of action. Uh, and if you want to get that, you go to envivoweb.com forward slash toolkit. Nice and easy. Perfect. Thank you, Tara. Appreciate having you on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation. I just love chatting with you. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Digital Chatter. Subscribe now to our podcast and you'll never miss a great interview like this one.